Welcome back to Creep Me Out with Tarot Reader Peter. In this show, I will be using my knowledge of witchcraft and the occult, as well as my intuitive gifts, to help advise and critique listener-submitted creepy stories and experiences. From time to time, I may share a story of my own or even stray from reading stories to discuss specific occult topics that I find interesting or important. Due to the nature of the subject matter that we will be discussing, some listeners may find the following stories shocking or disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Our first story today comes from at underscore Alana with four H's on Instagram. This story happened about 13 years ago. I was around 20 years old and I had moved back to my family home. I always felt such a comfort in this house growing up, even knowing that the prior owner died on her deathbed in our house years prior to us moving in. This time around, when I had come back home, my father had actually died two years prior I came home because I had been going through a very emotional time. The very first thing I noticed when I moved back was the heavy energy in the house. It was palpable. It wasn't familiar. Before I knew it, I found myself extremely depressed and it was to the point I couldn't eat or sleep. One night shortly after, I was woken up out of a dead sleep because I could feel that uneasy scary feeling of someone staring at me. My eyes went right to the edge of my bed, and that is where I saw a very dark human figure. It wasn't in its entirety. It had a head, shoulders, and a torso, but the legs pretty much vanished. I remember looking for what seemed like forever, trying to tell myself I was still asleep. I was blinking, even saying out loud, Alana, you're sleeping, this isn't real. Realizing what I was looking at was not in my imagination, I somehow managed to calm myself down and I went back to sleep. Two days later, again, I was woken up out of a dead sleep to see this same human looking figure. Only this time, I was on my side facing my window in my bedroom. The creature was crouched down just inches from the side of my bed, staring at me. Only I couldn't see a face or any features like before, just an outline of a head, shoulders, and his body crouched down to my level. Once again, so scared, I managed to tell myself it wasn't real, and I went back to bed. Finally, on a third night, I'm woken up completely startled. Only this time, the figure was directly on top of me. I saw its face, and I screamed at the top of my lungs. Yet no one heard me somehow. I was shaken and just terrified. How could it be three nights almost in a row that I see this thing? Now here is where things became really scary. Later that week, I came home after work. I had forgotten no one would be home that night, as my other parent worked overnight on this particular night of the week. So, as I pull in my driveway, I'm telling myself over and over again that it will be okay, and that I just need to turn on every light in the house as I walk in. I carefully flip every switch in every room of the house as I walk in and find my way upstairs to where my bedroom was. I'm upstairs in my room with the light on, and every light in the house is on. Every room, every bathroom, every hallway, the lights are all on. I was finally able to calm down 
and even enough to gather my dirty clothes to bring them to the washer to do my laundry. As I picked up my laundry basket to take my laundry to the washer, I flipped my bedroom light off. I reached for my door and noticed something strange. The door frames were a bit uneven due to the house settling, and you could always see under the door. Well, what I saw was pitch black. No light. How? The hallway light was on. I start to panic, and when I get the courage to open the door, I see that every single light in the house is off. Every one of them. I was so terrified, I seriously considered leaving the house through my bedroom window, which was on the second floor. I grabbed my purse, and I remember running out of the house so fast and staying with a relative at their house that night. After that, nothing that aggressive ever happened to me again in that house. I grew up, and then I moved out, and whenever I come home to visit, that scary situation still always plays back in my mind. When I first read this story, I thought that this story was a really good example of what a typical haunting looks like. In her email, Alana mentions that someone died on their deathbed in the home before they moved in. And so all of the things that she experiences in this story are pretty much in line with having the spirit of someone stuck inside of a home. The walls that we live within tend to absorb our energy much more than most people realize. So living in a home where someone had died previously, even if their death was peaceful, can really hold a lot of that person's energy there as that is where they crossed over. It almost creates like, I don't want to say a portal because that's a bad word for it, but an anchor in the physical world to the spirit world because someone passed through there. When she moved back into the house because she was going through a, a tough emotional time, I think that that is really what allowed this spirit and this energy to manifest even more. It was feeding off of the complex emotions that Alana was feeling at the time that she was living there. That figure that she kept seeing in the middle of the night was most likely the physical manifestation of those difficult emotions that she was going through. A lot of people don't realize how many doors anger and sadness really open to these negative energies in the universe. So if you're having a tough time emotionally, it's important to be conscious of spiritual protection just as much as trying not to let those negative energies latch onto you. And now the reason that I think that this is a good example of a typical haunting is for the very last piece of this story where the lights went out after you specifically turned on every light. Now, most hauntings do not turn aggressive. Of course, there are some that do turn out uh, dangerous and aggressive and physical manifestations of darkness and stuff like that. But most hauntings are actually trying to inspire this fear inside of you, this terror inside of you, so that you experience an intense energy and the entity or the other, the negative energy can feed on that. So this moment where you open your bedroom door and you see that all the lights in the house are off is really the spirit that is there being like, here I am, 
look at me, look what I can do to get you to feel scared, to get you to feel afraid of whatever is inhabiting that space. What I recommend for anybody that is trying to cleanse a space that is having a typical haunting, something similar to this where it hasn't gone aggressive, it just shows up in small, subtle ways. Maybe you see some physical manifestations, but they've never tried to hurt you. Nothing horrible has ever happened within the house. I urge you to, the next time there's a full moon, take a big container, a big like clear container, fill it with filtered water, and then put it in the moonlight, bring it inside before sunrise, and then use that to mop your floors and to scrub your windows to make sure that your area is completely cleansed. Once you mop and once you clean all the glass surfaces, then you open all your windows and you let it naturally dry, and that should help cleanse out the negative energies or any spirits that are stuck there. Our next story starts off. I wanted to ask your opinion on some episodes that I've been experiencing. I have always suffered from sleep paralysis, which I had tried to rationalize up until lately. Exactly a year ago, during one of my sleep paralysis, I saw a woman sitting at the very end of my bed. Her hair was dripping wet, her body covered in mud her face all swollen to the point I could not really distinguish her facial features. She looked harmless, almost helpless. My first instinct was to ask her what she wanted. I could not speak properly and ended up muffling some words. She never replied and I just woke up. A few days later, it happened again. This time though, she was standing on top of me. She did not look so harmless anymore and my heart started racing. I could not move, but I yelled, leave me alone, and she disappeared. A whole year went by. I moved to another apartment and had no more encounters with her. A week ago, though, during one of my sleep paralysis episodes, I started feeling unbearably cold, wet. I began shivering and gasping for air. My partner abruptly woke me up, as he was afraid I was going to suffocate in my sleep. I somehow know this last experience is connected to the woman I saw staring at me exactly a year ago. I can feel it in my gut. Do you believe sleep paralysis could be more than just sleep disorders? First off, I think that sleep paralysis is a very mysterious thing. A lot of people have these experiences with sleep paralysis that are dark and horrifying, Scientifically speaking, sleep paralysis is a temporary inability to move or speak while falling asleep or upon waking. And when you put it like that, it doesn't sound all that horrifying. But the weird part is that a majority of people that experience sleep paralysis, they experience very similar things. Many people have reported waking up into a sleep paralysis, looking to the edge of their bed, and seeing a creepy person, a creepy faceless person, a dark figure, a creature with red eyes, something menacing at the edge of their bed looking back at them. That's when they try to pick up their hands, they try to scream, but they find that they cannot move 
and they can't even make any noises at all except for a very faint, muffled, grunting noise. I myself have even had a very similar experience to the one described in this story, and when I was experiencing it, it definitely felt paranormal. It didn't feel just like, you know, a sleep disorder. It didn't feel just like a bad dream. It felt menacing. It felt horrifying and very real. So your question of if I believe that sleep paralysis could be more than just a sleep disorder, from my own personal experience and from many stories that have been submitted to me over the course of the past few years about sleep paralysis, I definitely feel that whether sleep paralysis is caused by a natural bodily function or not, there is definitely some weird aspect of it that puts you closer to the spirit realm as you are waking up or as you are falling asleep. So I think that the answer to your question is yes, I think that it could be more than just a sleep disorder. I think maybe it allows entities and energies to see you and to try and manifest in your space while you are in a weakened state waking up. If you yourself are experiencing sleep paralysis, I urge you to try to take a more vigilant approach to protecting yourself while you are sleeping Take mirrors out of your bedroom or cover them if they face your bed while you sleep. Put amethyst in your pillowcase. Put clear quartz underneath your mattress or on your windowsills while you sleep. All of these things are going to help you protect yourself while you are basically vulnerable and sleeping. I also urge you to go online and look up other people's sleep paralysis stories and see if what you're experiencing is the same thing that many other people are experiencing. Because there are many people that go online and do this and have this realization that they are seeing the exact thing that other people have seen, which I think is incredibly interesting. And there is definitely more to be discovered about sleep paralysis in the years to come. Our next story starts off, I live in a very small country town. The roads are more trees than houses. The other day, I was biking home from a nearby store in the rain, which had started while I was in the store, and on the road my house is on, there is about a two-mile stretch of just trees, no houses right before you get to mine. Besides this one beaten-up, collapsed structure, that looks like it was built with scrap by local teens a long time ago. It's practically a pile of rusted sheet metal and rotten branches at the moment. So I'm biking home from a nearby grocery store, and I enter this stretch of forest. Around a minute of biking, I stop to help a turtle cross the road, and right after doing so, I heard something screech, a sort of distorted version of a name that I don't go by anymore, Mac. I wasn't sure what it was, but things like that are easy to dismiss. I get back on my bike and start pedaling. Right as I'm passing by the wrecked remains of the fort that I mentioned earlier, I hear it again, but this time it's accompanied by the smell of rotting meat, like roadkill. 
but there was no roadkill that I could see. This really shook me, like really shook me. I started biking a lot faster and I didn't really breathe for the rest of my way home. And that was it. I dried off, put away my food and told my friends what happened. So it's actually kind of difficult to really identify what is actually happening in this story here because there are so many different things that it could be coming from the woods, coming from a remote area of the woods. My best guess here is that this was some sort of negative entity trying to lure you into this fort or into the woods so that it could take you with it or that it could possess you or it could steal your energy or attach itself to you. This sounds to me like something was beckoning you into the forest. Something was trying to get you to stray from your path of going home. The smell of rotting meat being a major factor, a major detail in this story, kind of speaks to how this is most likely a negative entity because many times places that have this very intense energy are accompanied by these vile smells that people describe as almost like death itself. To protect yourself from an entity like this one, because I assume that you probably have to bike up and down this road, often I would take a pocket knife, cover it in sea salt, and leave it outside overnight, and then carry that with you whenever you are traveling up and down this road. I also recommend wearing crystals or getting yourself some sort of reflective crystal to help protect yourself. Something like pyrite or clear quartz or amethyst, something with a protective nature to help keep you safe from whatever it is in those woods that is calling you to come to them. Something that I like to remind people whenever we're dealing with a forest and we're dealing with nature, is if you wander deep enough into the forest and you get truly lost, you will find things that you don't expect to find there. You will find entities and energies that have been long undisturbed. So I urge you to be careful in exploring woods and getting lost in the woods. Now, our next story comes from Deciduous Crystal on Instagram. It starts as follows. This story is about an encounter that me and three friends at the time had last August in my hometown in Colorado at 1am. I am no longer friends with these individuals, so I will leave their names out and just use the first letter of their names instead. So it was me, K, R, and T hanging out one night, and T asked if we'd ever been to the white abandoned house just outside town on the south side. T started telling us about it, and we were all down to go because this abandoned location was new to all of us, and we all really enjoyed exploring abandoned places. As we crossed over a bridge onto the property, T and I heard a male voice coming from the back seat say, Hello but we didn't think much of it. So I drive us in her car out there. We get out of the car. As soon as we got out, T and K both grabbed my t-shirt to keep me close because they were afraid from the vibes. 
We approached the house, and K and T stopped at the exact same point right in front of the steps up into the house, still clutching my shirt as if they were asking me not to go in, before turning back and going to the car because they were uncomfortable. Now, it's R and I standing outside this house, so we go in and start checking it out. It's a small house, completely trashed, and it smells like sulfur, but the smell was strongest towards one of the back rooms. It was a small house, and we had seen all of it, so we walked out, and in the same direction as the back room that stunk was, there was like another house or a shed or something. So I asked R if he wanted to check it out with me, and we start walking towards it. As we were checking out the first house, R was joking that it was his house, and that he would show me around. So when we started heading over to the other shed, I joked that, okay, that was your house, now let me show you mine. And then something caught my eye, and I stopped. R and I both froze in our tracks. I thought I saw movement, and it spooked me. Then I thought it was just a leaf, hanging down from a tree by the shed. And then I realized it was glowing and not attached to the tree. It was a solid form, like you could reach out and touch it, had an orange-red glowing ball above its head. Its skin was a dark gray. Its eyes were the same color as the ball above its head. It was at least seven feet tall. When we first approached the abandoned building, it was crouched down. I didn't even see it at first. I had to do a double take. R took one more step toward it, and it stood up in a way I've never seen a human or animal move before, and turned its head directly towards us. That's when it started moving towards us, and we ran as fast as we could away from it. K and T were both already in the car. Neither of them saw it. All they saw was R and I running away. Both of them told me they felt like they'd seen it before, and K drew it unprompted. Yes, we told them what happened, but neither of us could find the words to describe what this thing's figure looked like. We didn't even try to describe its appearance to them, but they somehow already knew what it looked like. In the days that followed, all four of our lives were utterly turned upside down. I lost my job that had been secure and going well for months. Pets and family members of my friends started dying. Treasured possessions started going missing from all of us. We would all wake up with new scratches and bruises on our bodies every night. It got to the point where all three of us witnessed R be possessed and controlled multiple times, events that he still has no memory of. T and I were stuck in some limbo in between the spiritual and physical realms for weeks, which was exhausting. We were constantly questioning reality and what was real. Everywhere we went in public, it seemed like everybody would stare at us with a look of pure horror in their eyes, like they could see something or feel something attached to us that we couldn't see. This chaotic attachment continued for about two or three months after the initial encounter. We tried everything we could think of, protective runes and sigils, crystal shields, we bought every kind of protective crystal that was available to us through our local shops. We cleansed ourselves and each other multiple times, 
We cleansed our spaces, nothing was working. Eventually, I found the contact info of a local shaman who lived in Colorado, but a few hours away. I reached out to her and explained what we'd been experiencing, and she agreed to walk us through the process to get rid of it, but that she doesn't do depossession rituals anymore, so the actual work would be up to us. T and I agreed, and went through the process with her. In that process, I found out that this being, whatever it was, had been living inside of my stomach. I had basically been pregnant with a demon, if that's even what it was, I still have no idea, for a couple months while it wreaked havoc on all of our lives. The session with the shaman worked, and T and I were able to banish the being from my stomach, turn it to ash, and give it back to the earth. Since that one night last August, I've been able to see and hear spirits on a daily basis, and I refuse to go back to any abandoned locations, which is hard to explain to normal people from around here without them thinking that I'm absolutely insane. There's definitely a lot to touch on here. I think that, first off, the first thing I want to talk about is how after you encountered this being, this creature, at this abandoned place, your lives turned upside down. I think this is very uh, very on par with what typically happens when a very strong, a very powerful, intense energy latches onto you and follows you around. A lot of times people attribute something like this to a curse when really it's that you're carrying around this negative energy that just makes things go wrong all around you. So it's pretty clear to me that this energy definitely was latched onto you somehow, but I'm more inclined to think that this energy was latched onto everybody in your group, not just one specific person, because everyone was experiencing negative outcomes, negative situations in their life after this experience. I think that the major mistake that you guys made here that allowed this energy to manifest for you and to attach to you was, first off, going into an abandoned place without any form of protection against energy or entities. But second of all, your friend joking around that this is his house, that then you joking around that your house was also there, I think this really was like a challenge to the spirits that were inhabiting this abandoned place. And so recognizing that it was actually their space, they came after you for those statements. Even though you were just kidding, words are very powerful. And spoken words in a space that is not a safe space for you can really do damage more than people realize. At the very end of this email, you mentioned that you were hopeful that I would be able to identify what kind of creature this was. But to be honest, it's too difficult to identify a creature if you're not actually there to experience it yourself. And I think that, to me at least, it's very clear that whatever this was, was a powerful entity that not only saw you as energy, as a food source for its own energy, but saw you as a way of leaving the space that it had been trapped inside of. It saw you as a vehicle to escape and go cause destruction and despair in the world again. 
So for the end of this week's episode, I put a story question box up on Instagram and I had people submit questions. Our first question, is there anything to be careful of when buying secondhand tarot cards? So it really depends because if they're gifted to you and they're secondhand, then that is less dangerous than if you're buying like an antique deck from an antique store and that deck belonged to someone that died but never really closed their energy off to that deck, you kind of have to be weary of the energy of whoever was using those cards to read before you had them in your possession. You have to be weary of their energy because if you start using those cards, you are essentially opening the door to the energy of whoever was holding those cards previously. Now, our next question what are your thoughts on mirrors? I have one in my bedroom. It's not facing my bed, but my cat loves to look at it. If you followed me for a while on Instagram and you were a fan of the Creep Me Out segment in my stories, then you know that I always say that you shouldn't have any mirrors in your bedroom because when you're sleeping, they act as a doorway for negative energies to enter your space and more easily affect you while you're in a vulnerable state. My thoughts on mirrors in general, they can act as a portal to spirit energy just because they reflect the physical world. But in general, it really just depends on the room and the space that each mirror inhabits that makes a difference as to whether or not it's a portal. Now, when you're talking mirrors in a bedroom, that's when you really should cover those mirrors with a blanket or seal them by putting crystals in front of them when you're going to sleep just to protect yourself from that doorway of negative energy. And now our next question, what is your opinion about sigils? Now, for those of you who don't know, a sigil is an inscribed or painted symbol considered to have magical power. So I look at this a lot differently than a lot of people in the witchcraft community that specifically make sigils for different things, I personally will just use words or little drawings of specific things that I charge with intention to act as a sigil, but I don't really ever talk about sigils because what I'm doing is using more of like charged symbolism. It's still technically a sigil, but I don't call it that so that people don't get confused. But I do think that drawing symbols or inscribing symbols on something and charging them with an intention is a very powerful way of putting your energy into something specific. So I definitely do recommend looking into sigils if you're getting into witchcraft or you're interested in learning more about it. And now for our next question, can a person really become possessed by an entity or a spirit? So there are plenty of reported possessions out there. If you're interested in researching that, it is definitely an interesting topic. Um, yes, that does really happen. But I think that what is much more common is this idea of a negative attachment, almost like an entity is like a parasite that feeds off your energy and causes you to have more extreme, unpredictable emotions. And now for our final question of the night, what is the best way to protect against psychic attacks when you're in unfamiliar surroundings? There are honestly so many different answers to this question. 
because everybody kind of does protection a little bit differently. But in my opinion, the best way to protect yourself against psychic attack, even when you're in an unfamiliar space, is to remember that you have an innate power inside of you. And when you're feeling attacked, you have to put up a hypervigilant fight against that attack. You have to confirm that you're okay and find your own source of power to push back on whatever is attacking you. I also urge you to carry reflective crystals. Honestly, you'll almost never find me out in the wild without crystals in my pocket or wearing some sort of crystal jewelry or some sort of protection amulet, especially when I know I'm going somewhere unfamiliar. I take it over the top to protect myself from invasive energy. You have to be like that, especially when you are prone to this type of psychic attack. Thank you to everyone that submitted a story for this week's episode. If you have your own story and you would like it read on Creep Me Out Podcast, please submit your story to trpcreepmeout at gmail.com. Short and long stories are both accepted and encouraged. If you would like your social media shouted out with your story, please include that request in your email. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find more creepy content on Instagram. I'm Tara Reader Peter, and I'll see you guys next week.